Hello there, welcome to a brand new Arseblog Arsecast right here on Arseblog.com. I hope you're well. Those moments of silence, just my interpretation of what we've all had to go through over the last couple of weeks with the interlull. The last interlull of the season, it has to be said, but also the worst interlull of all time. And I know I say this every time there's an interlull, but that's just the way it works. The latest interlull is the worst interlull. There may well have been worse. We may have had more difficult things to contend with or less to contend with, but but this one just seems to have stretched on for quite a while. And, um, well, there hasn't been much going on, has there? Theo Walcott picked up a pelvic injury while away with England, and uh, I wouldn't want to speculate on on uh, how one might pick up a pelvic injury. And uh, the only other bit of excitement was, of course, Wojciech Chesney's dad going mental and uh, saying all kinds of things about Arsene Wenger. And uh, it's hard not to look at the situation and think, well, look, he's just being a protective dad, isn't he? He's seen his son dropped for uh, another goalkeeper who hadn't played in over a year. And, you know, he was probably a bit angry. A little bit angry. I'm not sure his arguments had a great deal of uh, logic to them. The injuries that he picked up way back when or what are causing his bad form now. But it was interesting that Chesney came out and, and sort of quashed those uh, statements from his dad. It was all a bit, shut up, shut up, dad. Uh, and Chesney, in fairness, has come out of it very well. I think he's uh, he's uh, got a level head on him. He says, I haven't been playing well. Fabianski is doing well. It's all about the team, etc., etc. Fair play to him. Fair play. A lot of players wouldn't necessarily react like that. But apart from that, it has been pretty deathly quiet. We haven't had much to talk about even on the blog. What have we been, you know, paywalls and uh, Johan Juru, dragons, and uh, how to pronounce Serge Nabry's name. Uh, when you watch him on the old Arsenal player, there's a there's a very much a, G- a Gnabry thing going on. But I was watching a, a video of him in German, and I'm assuming, and I could be wrong here, but I'm assuming the Germans know best how to pronounce his name, given that he's also German. Um, and they definitely don't pronounce the G. There's a sort of a hint of it. It's like Nabri. But uh, definitely no G Nabri. So, but that will tell you just how tedious things have been, that we are discussing the pronunciation of a youth player's name. And in fairness to the uh, youth players and Nabri, they have done very well. They've got through to the semifinals of the next-gen series. They're playing today. Actually, if you're listening to this on the Friday, they are playing today at Lake Como in Italy uh, against Chelsea. And hopefully they can win the game and also kick the ever-loving shit out of Chelsea. I mean, metaphorically, you know, footballistically, I should say. I mean, if, if I happen to be an outbreak of violence in which a number of Chelsea players were punched in the face. I mean, would anybody really mind? I, I don't think so. Nits make lice and all that, isn't it? You know, they're going to grow up to be even bigger wankers than they already are. So uh, while I wouldn't necessarily suggest that we take violence as a course of action, if it erupted on the pitch in the middle of the game, you know, I'd be down with that to a certain extent because I think we just need something to pick us up after the international break, which has been so long and boring and, oh, God, nothing. You know, and especially at this time of the season, 
you just want the games to keep coming one after the other. And uh, now that we're putting a bit of pressure on those above us, uh, the the break, well, maybe it wasn't the best time, but maybe there was an upside too. We'll discuss that now. Uh, and the rest of the news, uh, some unfortunate news coming up uh, with our guest from Arse to Mouse, it's Tim Clark. Hi, Tim. Thanks for having me. No problem. How have you uh, been spending your interlull time, uh, catching up on the gardening, housework, you know? I've been uh, failing to sell my flat at a cost, a great expense to myself and playing Bioshock Infinite on the computer. All right. All right. Sounds okay to me, actually, apart from the whole not selling your flat thing, which is obviously... That's been bad, yeah, that's been awful. Right, well, look, um, as we speak, as we've gone to air, as it were, uh, we've just got news about Abu Dhabi's injuries out for the rest of the year, nine months, I guess, with a a cruciate ligament injury. Um, It's very difficult not to feel sorry for the guy because he's had this litany of injuries, all of which seem to have uh, been a consequence of of the the tackle uh, at Sunderland by by Dan Smith. Uh, But it it does raise, I guess, the, the sort of the debate about whether or not we should be as reliant on Diaby uh, as we are you know he's he's had these problems for a long time another injury this is sort of like the icing on the icing on the icing on the cake yeah I mean I think first first of all I'd want to say I think it is sad for him as a man I, I think regardless of how much money he's made uh, he's clearly worked or, or, or tried incredibly hard to come back has consistently failed and broken down this season I think he's he's played 15 times for us 14 with starts uh, and you'd say like for most players that's not a great return but for him that's comparatively good and I think that gives you an indication of uh, of what we kind of got out of him over the, the years since that horrendous tackle I think it's 124 odd games in total over since since 2005 which is is not great I think eyebrows were raised at the start of the season uh, when Song went and when when Arsene intimated that he was going to kind of, I think he even he even used the word gamble, gamble on Diaby because you've made the point a few times, Andrew, that you would not want to be, you would not want Arsene gambling with your money, <laughs> uh, and and so it's kind of proved with, with with both him and Jack, unfortunately, in terms of, of these injuries cropping up. It has to, without being too brutalist about it, you, you feel like it has to be the end of the line now and that even if you know he's got a contract to see out and if he does make it back, that's fine. But you have to go into, I've said this a few times, you have to, I think, go into the season with a realistic view of what you can expect in terms of return from particular players. And of course, some injuries are unforeseeable, broken legs and stuff. You can't you can't legislate for those, but you, but you equally, I think, just can't legislate for poor old Abby being fit. Mm. I mean, that's the thing, because, you know, even if he's fit, let's say, by December, you know, every, every performance when he comes back will be uh, crouched and well. He's only just back from... From injury, you know, and it, it is, it's really sad for him on a personal level and sad for, for the team as well. And, you know, Arsene Wenger has obviously put a great deal of, of faith in him, as, as you said. And the, we saw that performance, for example, at Liverpool, uh, you know, where, where everybody was saying, well, look, look at this midfield uh, we have here with Cazorla, Arteta and Diaby in the middle. And it's, it's, you know, this is the way it should be. He probably had his best game for us. And then all of a sudden, you know, he's out after kicking a ball against Chelsea. What strikes me is that... Uh, Earlier this week, and, and you know the, the the guys on Arsenal.com may not thank me for this, but they they put up an interview with Diaby, and there was a the, the leader's story was Diaby. I've learned how to manage my body, and you know three days later, <laughs> he's out for for nine months. I mean, I, I'd like to see them write an article. Um, John Terry, I'm never going to die. 
and just see, you know, I know it's got nothing to do with it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. John Terry, my head, John Terry, my head is never just going to inexplicably fall off. <laughs> sure <laughs> enough, it would. I mean, you, you, with Diaby, you can see that he has been doing that in games, hasn't he? He has avoided kind of unnecessarily meaty challenges and has looked to kind of play a bit more positionally and, and do that kind of sweeping up a bit uh, in front of the back four. And there was interesting stuff that Tim at 7am wrote about, I think, the Swansea game, uh, where Diaby, to my eyes, just had looked a bit lackadaisical when we didn't have the ball but when you actually looked at his numbers they were pretty decent in terms of tackles interceptions and stuff there's no doubt that on his day he could be a player but I I would also if we're going to be brutally realistic about it I'd say that even when in little air quotes he was fully fit there were times he could still be a hugely frustrating player to watch as well I think Mm -hmm. He, he had a tendency to slow the ball down sometimes he had no shot on him to speak of really um, and, and I just think we have to be pragmatic about whether the, whether a, a guy like him now can can really merit a, a place when we only have twenty five man squads and and we clearly like the midfield is is you know it's a grinding machine and people get chewed up in there. You need tough, robust guys, you know, to to see out seasons in which you enter the you enter the year in four competitions. Mm. I mean, the other thing as well is that um, he's got a contract to twenty fifteen. He's not going to be fit until 2014 you know who is going to take a punt on on Abu Dhabi in the January transfer window for example Uh, because he you know there's uh, as much as we might say look it's time for Arsenal to cut their losses and replace him which is I think probably what should happen is that this summer we need to buy uh, a midfielder of some physique who who can perhaps uh, bring some of the qualities that Diaby has to the team but you know there's no question of Arsenal being able to move him on this summer you know, so he remains part of the squad and a player who's, who's under contract. So um, not that we shouldn't or we should wait and see, but, you know, it does make uh, the job a bit difficult. It's not as easy as saying get rid. No, I suppose they won't. I mean, you would assume they wouldn't register him then going into the new season as part of the squad because you can then you can reshuffle, can't you, your squad in January. So. Mm. If he if he comes back fit, clearly you're right. I don't think they're, they're going to be able to sell him. I think perhaps, you know, ultimately they may look at whether whether they want to pay off his contract and just kind of get it done that way. Um, it, would, it would be a shame, and for the guy, it must be it must be heartbreaking for him because he clearly could have been a player of of, of some standing. Um, but yeah. <laughs> Uh, you know, maybe exacerbated as well by the fact that the Jack is out injured as well. Between uh, you know, between the last games we played, he, he hasn't featured, and uh, it was interesting. Arsene Megan was talking in his press conference about how th- they were the ones that told Jack you're, you're not going to play because he said he wasn't feeling any any uh, special kind of pain or any discomfort. But they obviously looked at the scans, and they, they're being really, really cautious with Wilshire now, and, and that's understandable too. Yeah, it's it's hard to read that one because I, I listened to the Times podcast and I can't remember who was on it, but someone certainly intimated that they felt that Arsene had looked at the fixture list and had kind of decided that he could, by, by kind of encouraging Wilshire to take this break, he could miss those two England games and kind of come back, come back kind of raring to go for the running. But then the fact he's not going to be available for Reading and I think the game after would suggest that that's probably an unfair reading of it. I mean, it, it must be hard sometimes for the... The, the medical teams because they do own they, they've got the kind of the x-rays and, and what they can see with their tests but they have to trust the players to a degree to understand their own bodies and clearly guys like Wilshire who are incredibly enthusiastic don't seem to be always giving uh, the most kind of the answer that will protect them best mm. 
I, I don't know what the answer to it is other than to have more players to pick from. I kind of wonder whether we may see some benefit of the fact that, that Riziki was used so little earlier in the season because perhaps like last year he can have like a kind of uh, a, a kind of Indian summer end to the season where, where he'll put in some big performances. We're going to definitely need that. Mm, I, I guess, you know, as the door closes for somebody else, it opens for another player. So, you know, maybe even, uh, you know, somebody like Coquelin might get a few games between now and the end of the season to to, to step up a bit. I know you're not a huge uh, fan of Cock, but... Uh, well, <laughs> you <know. laughs> yeah. You've been looking at my internet history. Yeah, again. sorry. Uh, yeah, well, I, mean, I, I watched the... Um, I watched the Scotland-Wales game because the England-San Marino one was such a done deal and uh, Ramsey looked really good. I know other people aren't as much of a fan of him, but I think he'll have a part to play. Um, I actually feel really optimistic, unusually for me. I was desperate to say this about the run-in. Like I've come out of the interlull feeling dead positive. I think perhaps it's uh, an absence making the heart grow fonder thing, but I've, I've really missed Arsenal. I've missed the fact that we haven't had any home games in a long time and can't wait for a... Can't wait for Reading. I might be singing a, a different song <laughs> come five o'clock uh, on Saturday. But um, it, it's interesting because having uh, obviously the cup exits were a bad thing, but now our fixtures are reasonably healthily spaced out. Everyone's going to pick up injuries on this running as we've as we've seen this week, sadly. But I still feel like looking at the squad at the moment, we have enough to to give it to to make a real. A real good fist of trying to finish fourth, and and we can debate the whether that should be the be all or, be all and end all. Clearly, it shouldn't, but I think we can have a real go at it, and I feel pretty positive about it, given what's around us and what everyone else has got to do. Also, I don't I don't know what you think. Mm, yeah, I mean, I was going to say, you know, given the fact we've beaten Byron and Swansea, there w- there will be some people who say that the uh, the interlull came at the wrong time, uh, but maybe it came at the right time as well, because you know there is sort of a tendency. Uh, you know, after a couple of wins, so we might get just slightly carried away with ourselves. Um, you know, from an expectation point of view, you know, maybe it's been good to take two weeks off. Right, we've done that. We've we've uh, turned a corner uh, in as much as we can after the after the cup exits. We've beaten Bayern away, a great result. We beat Swansea away, a great result. Now, time to take stock. Uh, and we do have a decent run of games. You know, you look at the next three games, which are Reading, Norwich and West Brom, and, th- and th- those are three very winnable games. Then there's Everton at home, uh, which is, you know, a game we, we can win. Uh, you know, you, you take 12 points, and I think it's going to be very, very tight in those, uh, in those top four spaces. Yeah, and you've got Chelsea playing Spurs uh, in, in in that same time period, and then Spurs have got City as well. I actually think that with the Reading game, the, the, the critical thing for me is, or what, what I want to see, is the same seriousness of, of of approach that was taken with Bayern and Swansea, where the players, mm. even though we weren't kind of always tearing it up and playing free flowing stuff, there was that real kind of determination determination about the way they seem to be approaching it, and that's exactly what I want from from the Reading game. I really like Monreal in the week saying we mustn't focus on the other teams and we mustn't get distracted by, by what anyone's kind of saying about us, good or bad. We, we must focus on result after result, which I suppose now, now I say it back, it is like a class, classic cliche of one game at a time, but just a <laughs> past three, a Spanish man. But um, yeah, if, if they if they take that seriousness into the Reading game, then uh, we pick up hopefully another three points and it really does feel like game on. What the worry has to be is that we haven't had any consistent run of good form all season and now has to be the time like we will run out of fixtures otherwise so yeah I mean there is that it's I think five games is the most we've gone 
unbeaten um, in the league. And, you know, you look at last season where we, we won seven or eight on the trot twice, I think, you know, which made a big, big difference to to the way we were going to approach things. But anyway, I think you're right. You know, if we, if we go into the, all these games with the, the approach uh, that we did at Bayern, that we did uh, against uh, Swansea, where there was, seemed to be more... Uh, more focus on not conceding and taking more of our chances. You know, we we're a bit more clinical as well at the other end. Um, you, you know, the other thing, of course, is that you, you have to ask why that isn't the approach for every game from the start of the season. But we are where we are. Uh, and we'll just take what take what we can get. But you're confident enough about three points tomorrow? Or? Yeah. Oh. Yeah, I am, actually. <laughs> OK, nothing more to say, really. Um well, listen, uh, have a very happy Easter. Uh, let's hope for three points and we'll catch up with you again soon. Tim Clark from Arstomouse, thanks very much. Cheers. Of course, you can find Tim uh, at his blog. It's arse2mouse.com or on Twitter, arse2mouse, where two is the number two. Uh, yeah, so sad news about Abu Dhabi. In the grand scheme of things, I'm not sure it makes that much difference to us uh, as a team it robs us of a body obviously um, and in the final nine games of the season you want as many players fit as possible but for all the potential Diaby has had and it's quite obvious that there is uh, the potential for him to be a very good player he's never ever been able to realise that because he's just never been able to play enough games and it comes from that tackle uh, the Dan Smith tackle and um, I guess it was a bit depressing to see a lot of uh, anger directed towards Diaby in the news of this injury and I know the depths of Twitter are a dangerous place but I just was curious and, and had a search for fuck off Diaby and it was really quite depressing because you know he didn't injure himself and he never injured himself any of the other times uh, has always worked hard uh, has tried his best but because of uh, his physicality because of the weaknesses uh, inflicted upon him by that original tackle by Dan Smith he's just never ever been able to get a run of games and uh, we saw earlier this season where it looked like he could become uh, a vital component of the team uh, and then he gets injured taking a shot against Chelsea he just you know took a shot and he's out for three months and uh, and that unfortunately sums him up and, and the the problem for me isn't so much Diaby it's the fact that you know Diaby is r- relied upon he's not even relied upon but you know you have to ask whether or not his place could have gone to a different player uh, over the last couple of seasons and uh, I think now as I mentioned with Tim that uh, the transfer market is the solution to the problem and um, I think we have to put Diaby to one side and if he comes back and gets fit then we need to look at moving him on because uh, we've given him every chance possible. Uh, there's nobody could accuse Arsenal or Arsene Wenger of not giving him a chance of writing him off too early. Uh, but we've seen how injury has destroyed uh, other players. And Eduardo, after his injury, wasn't the same. And uh, he, he was moved on fairly sharpish. Um, Diaby hasn't been. And as somebody on Twitter said, and I apologize because I can't find it, uh, but he said maybe... Uh, it's a credit to Aaron Ramsey to see how well he's come back from his injury uh, when Eduardo and Diaby have suffered uh, as badly as they did. Anyway, look, uh, nine months out, best of luck to him. Uh, We can talk about him again in nine months if and when he's fit. Right, uh, before we move on, time for a bit of this. This is the Ace Blood Culture Corner. Get it into you, you giddy bag. Welcome to the Ace Blood Culture Corner. I am your host, Lancelot Clearmountain. Music has long been considered one of the greatest art forms. Its purity of sound and melody gives to us works that reverberate through the ages. From Symphony Number no. 5 to Sweet Child O' Mine, from The Messiah to Madonna, 
Each one is like aural sex. We swallow greedily with our ears, a euphonic orgasm of the soul. Yet rarely do we find a piece that is utterly complete. That, if you will pardon the rather common analogy, ticks all the boxes. Pleasing to the ear, memorable, but not so much that it becomes tired quickly, and with a sensitive and intelligent lyricism that sets it apart from most others. This particular recording of which we speak today will certainly go down in the annals. When human civilization is no more, when those from the future look to the past to discover what we were made of, what we gave to the world, then this must be time-capsuled to ensure they know the truth of who we are. It is a song about life, about enduring pain, but coming through the other side. It is about loss, loss of something deep within the woman who so magically sings the words that soar through the air like a super-falcon of destiny and providence. It speaks to us, it warms us despite being cool. It dances to the beat of a million drums played by a million seraphim, each one more devastatingly beautiful than the last. It provokes words, but is indescribable. It is music. And now, on the Arsblog Culture Corner, we present it to you, sung as only he can, by the man in the bar. <coughs> Quite simply majestic. That was the Earth Black Culture Corner. Come back for more next week, you muppet. We may have more from the Culture Corner uh, before the season ends, you never know. Now looking ahead very quickly to the game tomorrow against Reading, hurrah. Football is back, but we do have some injury issues. It's, uh, I suppose, a little bit ironic that the player who didn't go away on international duty, Abu Dhabi, is now out. Uh, nobody else seems to have picked up any injuries. Uh, Wilshire remains out. Kieran Gibbs is also out. He's got the flu, according to Arsene Wenger. They haven't seen him for three days uh, because he's been at home. Um, some conspiracy theories about... Uh, a picture taken of him on a yacht in Dubai. He was at a party, sort of looking all alone at this party. His brother posted the picture on Twitter. You have to think, and it could be just me, that his brother wouldn't be so uh, foolish as to post a picture of him on Twitter when he's not supposed to be, you know, in Dubai. So I guess during the international break, uh, the players were given a few days off. He can fly wherever he wants. And uh, he's come back with uh, the flu or some kind of virus or something. And, uh, you know, it could be post-partying or, you know, it could be just one of those things you pick up when you travel. You know, recirculated air in an airplane and all that could very easily be. People have all kinds of disgusting germs and they don't cover their mouths when they cough. Most of the people you see on the street who cough do not cover their mouths. It's disgusting. Those people should be put down. Well, that's um, for a different podcast. Uh, Walcott is out as well. Uh, but apart from that, everybody seems to be fit and ready. And uh, here we go into the final nine games of the season. As I said, uh, the games against Reading have been a bit uh, goal-tacular this season. 7-5 and 5-2. So let's hope there's another five. And as long as we get the five, I can't really see Reading scoring six. Not really. Well, 
I say that and I go, I'm tempting fate again. Um, we've got to approach the game the same way we approach the, the games against Bayern uh, and against Swansea with that uh, refocus on not conceding on, being solid defensively on everybody putting in a shift. And that starts at the front all the way to the back. Um, the team, I guess, more or less picks itself uh, Sanya is back, but I wonder will he uh, continue with Jenkinson? I think he might. Uh, Podolski is back, which is good news too, so another option there from the bench. And, uh, well, you just got to hope that this is a game we can take three points from, and next week we can focus on the game after that. So it's uh, it's all about tomorrow. It's good to have real football back, and, uh, well, that's about it. So until next week's Arscast, let's keep fingers crossed uh, for those three delicious, crunchy, creamy, uh, soft-centred Easter eggy points. And uh, talk to you on next week's show. Until then, take it easy. Cheers. Bye-bye. Arsenal Football Club today announced that Abu Dhabi has signed a new contract with the club. The deal was signed at the ICU at Wilshire Memorial Hospital, where Diaby has been in a coma for the last four years. Chairman Peter Hillwood said, We look forward to Abu doing his stuff again on the pitch for the Gunners' blah-blahs, eh? Fuck you. The club would also like to remind fans of the annual crutch drive this Saturday. <laughs>